Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I just pray that we're here um, ready to worship God, ready to dig into his word and uh, to learn more about him. Um, I was asked by Gail to read Jeremiah 29, 1 through 13. So if you'll turn there with me, we'll read that. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar has taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers who had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Eliza, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the son of Hil Hilkah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are in exile, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill you to you, I will fulfill to you in my promise, and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, so whenever I read a passage like this, I go to the things that I've been thinking about throughout the week. Uh, so something that this makes me think about is God makes a lot of promises. Um, promises for my welfare and for, for peace. And I choose not to live and act in faith of those promises. And I don't know why, because uh, God has shown himself faithful in so many things. Um, in my own life, in, with, uh, with my sin, he's taken that and redeemed it to something that is uh, really cool. Um, he answers prayers with things like, uh, Carter, um, and I can only assume that it's because I have a, a very narrow view of the reality that's around me. I look at the things that I can see, um, and I choose not to believe that God, who sees all things, um, knows what's best for me. Uh, so I, the thing that I've been thinking about all week is... Um, God makes promises, and I need to rest in those promises. I need to rest in the fact that God knows what he's doing. Um, I've seen him be faithful in my life and in the life of Carter. Uh, and because he sees all things, he definitely he knows what's best. It's impossible for God to lie, so when he makes those promises to me, um, I know that he 
is planning to fulfill those things in me. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to go to prayer here pretty soon, and let's just go to prayer knowing that God fulfills his promises. He is worthy of trust. He is always faithful to those who are following him. Uh, are there prayer requests?
Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Good morning and welcome to worship. For those of you who are not here when we started out this morning in our worship service, the, the thought of truth was God is good all the time. And Brother Keegan just affirmed that testimony in his life. The faithfulness and the goodness of God. God is good all the time. I want to hear you say that. God is good all the time. Now, for you to be able to really believe that and to live that, you are going to have to have faith in the sovereignty of God. It's just about that simple. This morning, I would like to first address you young people. You're all around here. I'm just going to address this from my heart to yours. I love you. I care about you. You are a blessing to me. I believe in you, and I know that you're living in probably one of the most difficult and challenging times there have ever been. But I have full confidence in you that you will seek victory in Jesus Christ. I have a first cousin who for several years has been in a mission ministry for young people. And this week we got another one of his newsletters. And I won't be able to tell you everything that was in that newsletter, but I'll put a little bit of it in my own words. It went something like this. Teens and young adults are perplexed and overwhelmed, trying to find purpose and meaning in life, trying to find themselves. And some lead lives of stress-filled achievement, and others live lives of failure-driven despair. And both often result in anxiety and emptiness without Jesus Christ. I think about the chapter that Brother Kagan read a part of to us this morning. And God was instructing his people how they were to occupy in a strange land. And the verse that we would Hold before us for a text verse this morning is verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I've chosen to title the message this morning, Struggling to Find Purpose and Peace in Life. I'd like to just think about three questions for just a moment. What is the purpose of life? How can I find it? 
And how can I be sure that I've made the right choice? What is the purpose of life? You know, not only the unbeliever asks this question, but as was in the newsletter, I think many believing people are still searching for answers in life. What is the purpose of life? You remember just in a verse or so, whenever Moses recorded in Deuteronomy the words of the Lord, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord require, thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to, to love him, to serve him, the, thy God, the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what he requireth thee, but did you do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. That's our purpose, to know, to love, and to walk with and to see God. How can I find it? The next verse, or two verses down in this chapter that was read to us this morning tells us how. Verse 13. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And how can I know that I've made the right choice? And this is life eternal. To know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That is life forever with God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Real, live relationship. Let's just go back to the, to the foundation. And that's what we already had before us this morning, that God is good all the time. You know, the first four words in the Bible, in the beginning, God. And that's where we have to go back to because that is foundational. In the beginning, God created. Let's look at our purpose from God's standpoint for a moment. He said, let us make men in our likeness and in our image. You see, at God's core, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were relational. So they wanted to expand the relationship and create man, the circle of love. For I, the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, I have loved thee. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him 
I have made him. That's the words of God. So we were created for God to love, for his pleasure, and that he would inhabit the praises of men. That's the perspective from God for our purpose. So when we put both of those together, the purpose for both God and man, that is simply a God-centered relationship. Man in nothing was to act independently of his creator. He was sustained by God. He was satisfied by God. He was to live in submission to God. He was created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is the chief end of our purpose for being created, to enjoy God forever. And we heard about that all morning in our Sunday school class. But God created us with intelligence. And the reason he did that is so that we would have a free choice. Well, in the beginning, shortly after we were created, we made a poor choice. Under the influence of Satan and his temptation, thinking that we knew enough to operate independently from God, we made a poor choice, and that was disobedience. Now, we entered a self-centered relationship, not a God-centered relationship. How intelligent, really, are we? You know, most days uh, in my lunch, Shirley will pack me an apple. And uh, a lot of times it's been one of those real nice big honey crisp apples, about three to four inches in diameter. And I'll take a knife and cut that open. It'll be full of juice and it smells good. And you know that apple has the ability to bring nutrition to every cell in my body. I'd like for you to just make one of them. Make it out of nothing. If we're that intelligent, just make one. We need God all the time. Is there really a deep hunger in my heart for God? Do I long for him? Do I long for the holiness to be able to see him? You know, the network of Christian activity is vast today. There are programs. There are new ways to enhance worship. There's a search for inner spiritual experience. There is power for happiness, peace, and contentment more effective and efficient concepts of service and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. But this approach fails to satisfy my heart and it fails to satisfy God's heart. Do I hunger for God? 
You know, there is a vacuum, and we heard that this morning too, in my heart that only God himself can fill. He created it there. You know, if I really want to learn somebody and know who they are, about the first thing I will do, I will learn them personally by name. In the uh, secular society that we live in, most of the time I think we're probably more of a number than we are a name. Shirley and I do some banking with a large corporate bank that has branches all over the United States. And the reason we do that is so if we are gone for a little while away from our home, we can still do business. But the bank that we really like to do business with is a little local bank right there in Arcanum. And you can go in there and you're not a number, you're a name. They know who you are. And the manager that was there for several years of that bank was transferred to a new branch that was started over in Troy. So one day I stopped in there, went up to the teller's counter, and that manager who had been at the Arcanum Bank for a while looked through the glass when I came in and he came right out from whatever he was doing. He addressed me by name and asked me how I was doing. And he said, uh, by the way, how's Shirley? I said, well, she's just fine. She came with me, she's out there. And he didn't go back into his office. He went straight out the door, I came in. And you know, when I got finished, went back out to the parking lot, there was Shirley and the banker standing outside the car talking. Now my point is this, and this is, have we lost community? What do you think? I would like to assure you this morning with the comfort that God will always call you by name. You're not a number. You're a person. He will always call you by name. I would suggest to you this morning that if all we had before us today was simply the names of God and what they meant, they would be enough without any of the rest of the word for us to have purpose and peace in life. His names are foundational in the beginning, God. I think I'd just like to go to, to one here that's pretty familiar to us. Whenever God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, he... Uh, He called him, and Moses said, well, now, the, the, the people here that you're wanting me to lead, your people from Egypt, they're going to, uh, 
they're going to wonder who you are, what your name is, what am I supposed to tell them? And he said, well, just tell them I am that I am. Tell, him it's, uh, tell them it's the God of uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and your fathers that's, that's appointing you to lead them out of this land. And he said, just tell them I am has sent you. And he said, in fact, that's going to be my name forever. And then as we read a few chapters later in Exodus, we read words like this. God spake to Moses and said to him, I'm the Lord. And I, prepare, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by my name, God Almighty. But my name, Jehovah, by my name, Jehovah, I was not known. So he's introducing a new name here. You read through the Old Testament, you'll find there are several Hebrew names for God. When translated, the Holy One of Israel, the Mighty One of Israel, the Mighty One of Jacob, the Strength of Israel, and so on and so on. But today, I'd just like to use one name, one of God's names, Jehovah. And as it is compounded with other words, what that means to the believer. Jehovah, the great I am, the eternal one, the present one, all my past, all my future, all my now are right in the presence of God in the now. All of it. <clears throat> so, I am. I am what? What did God want us to get out of that? I am. I am the blank check for your need. Or rather, probably we should say it like this. He is seeking to fill every void in my life. He is the joy seeking to fill my sorrow. He is the bread seeking to fill my hungriness. The fullness seeking to fill what is empty. You know what my problem is? So often... I am not patient and still and in silence and in solitude for him to reveal his relationship to me. You know, God never gets in a hurry. He never has. His timing is always perfect, but he never gets in a hurry. I am that which my people need. You know, as I think about the name Jehovah and the supreme compound that goes with the name of Jehovah, it is S-U-S. And you know what that means? Jehovah Jesus, my need. Jehovah Jesus, I am thy salvation. You know, we just heard, we read that again this morning. The dream that Joseph had and the angel came to him and he said, you are to call this son Jesus because he's going to take the sins away from his people. He will bear them. You know, I also think of another account that we 
usually observe this time of year as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and that was about the man in the temple named Simeon. And he said, well, now I can finally depart in peace. He said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation, and that's prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Jesus Christ, the answer to all of my need, my purpose and peace in life. There is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Only the name of Jesus. And you know, as he was trying to relate who he was to his people, he said words like this. He said, well, before Abraham was, I am. The I am. Jehovah, I am. Well, I'd like to go to the Old Testament. <clears throat> and I would like to uh, go through a few of these names that are compounded with Jehovah and just see how, how they instruct me in life and what they mean in my own situation. And along with this, I want everyone here this morning to just open their heart completely to God. You know, I know that there are, uh, among men, there are troubled hearts. There are hearts that are hard. There are hearts that are broken. There are hearts that feel rejection. There are hearts that are calloused and proud and bitter and the, the list goes on and on. But you know, Jesus said words like this. He said, uh, I have come that I might heal your broken hearts. And we'll get to that maybe in a minute. But the point I want here is that every one of us are damaged and it's all right for us just to open up our hearts this morning to God. In fact, if I refuse to do that, he is not my personal Jehovah I am. It's just that simple. Will I be willing to open my heart to God? I don't know how many of you were here last Sunday, but we heard a wonderful message on remembering God remembering his truth and remembering his word. And in that message, Brother Clem gave a really healthy admonition to us older people to stay involved and to share our testimony with younger people or with anyone. And so as we observe these names this morning, that's what we would like to do. First one, we're not going to go to the scriptures. We'll just give you the scripture, and uh, you can go there. First one we have is Exodus 17, 15. Jehovah, N-I-S-S-I, -S -S -I, I am thy banner. I am thy victory. And you remember this was a time when, when Moses and the children of Israel were in battle with Amalek and 
Aaron and Hur were out there on the hill holding up Moses' arms so that he would be able, the children of Israel, to have victory. When I was a young man, well, let, let's, uh, let's think about this in, in, in the New Testament, what Jesus says about being the banner and uh, the victory of our life. Get this from 1 Corinthians 15, thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only victor. Well, back to when I was a young man, I grew up as a young teenager with just a handful of other teenagers, not very many. I was the youngest almost of that group and I felt like most of the time I kind of got the short straw and so I thought I could probably prove myself that I didn't get the short straw part of the time and you know what? That didn't bring purpose or peace to my life. More often it brought emptiness. But there was a Another young man, the oldest in that group, probably maybe three or four years older than I was, and he was a man of great moral integrity. And he would uh, often do just about like Aaron and Hur did here to Moses. He'd come underneath me and lift me up. And you know, I've thought about that a lot of times. He was a great influence in my life. And this is the point I want out of this. You young people are watching somebody that is influential in your life. And then whether you know it or not, somebody's watching you. And you're influential in somebody's life. And the character of my life is either going to be a help or a hindrance to people. It's that simple. Well, I choose victory in Jesus. Second one we'd like to go to comes from Judges. 6th chapter, 24th verse. Jehovah Shalom. I am thy peace. And this was when Gideon needed peace from his fear when he was uh, instructed to go to battle against the Midianites. Gospel of John, Jesus says there, he says, I leave with you my peace, I have given you my peace, and don't let your heart be troubled, and don't let it be afraid. You know, all of my life I went to church. As a young teenager, I was faithful to go, and I heard a lot of powerful sermons, but they didn't do very much to change my life. And then one day, God called my name, and you know, I didn't have peace anymore. And so I began to uh, read in the Bible, mainly in the Gospels. And as I read in those Gospels, there was a, a wonderful, powerful conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. And it was strong. And you know, I, didn't, I did not struggle with that. And I can say that truthfully. I did not struggle with that. When he spoke in such a wonderful way into my life and conviction, I surrendered my life to the Prince of Peace. And I've thought about that a lot of times. You know, I talked to another young man who said that his brother-in-law 
had put off coming to the Lord, and he put it off, and he put it off, and finally he did, and he asked him why he'd put it off so long, and he said, well, he said, after I struggled with it long enough, my heart got calloused enough that it didn't hear my name spoken as loud as it did before. So I just submit to you, whenever you feel the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in your life, whether, whether it's to come in and accept the Savior, surrender to him, or whatever it is, whether you're in the kingdom now, just listen to his voice. And follow his voice. Jehovah, T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, Jeremiah 23.6. I am thy righteousness, Israel shall be saved and dwell in safety because Jehovah will stand for them. Paul gave us the account as he wrote to Romans that the free gift of righteousness is by one Jesus Christ we are made the righteousness of God in him. Paul then wrote to the people of God in another chapter there. And he said, I have a desire and I've prayed for you people that you all would be saved. He said, you have a great zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You've not submitted yourself to the righteousness of God, but you've tried to establish your own righteousness and you have not submitted to God's righteousness. And then he spoke words like this that are so precious. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Do you ever think about how futile it is for me to try to establish my own righteousness? You know, you young people probably look at older folks and you probably look at them about like I did when I was younger and you think they probably have it kind of together. You know, I'll just assure you we don't. We've got the same temptations, the same struggles that you do, and the only thing that we have that you don't is a little more experience and hopefully maybe just a little bit more maturity. But one thing that experience has taught me is this. The only testimony that I ever have worth sharing is because of his righteousness. That's all there is. Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22:14. You probably all remember that one. That one means I am the one who provides. And this was whenever Abraham was going up to Moriah to offer his son Isaac. And when Isaac asked him what was going to happen, God told Abraham, he said, I will provide a lamb. 
New Testament says words like this in the provision. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we know that he supplies all of our spiritual needs. How about our temporal needs? You feel like that uh, they're not supplied like you would like for them to be? You know, we live in a temporal world, and we're going to meet a lot of different temporal challenges in life. Shirley and I got married before we were 19 years old, and we didn't do a lot of analyzing about life and what everything's going to look like and how it was going to be and if only and what if and all that. We just loved each other and we got married. Well, we, uh, on the financial end of things, we had bought a place. At that time, we only had a 10-year loan on it, and so the payments were pretty large for us. We made a down payment on that. I'd purchased a car and had a car payment. And... We took about three days for our honeymoon, and we couldn't wait to get back and start housekeeping. And uh, that was in the summer. And when we got back and totaled everything up, we had maybe about $500. And uh, it took probably at least two-thirds of that for one month, just for house payment, car payment, and what other expenses that came along. Well, work that fall didn't go like I'd anticipated it. And uh, we came into a month or two there in the fall when we realized that we weren't going to be able to make the ends meet. And maybe we had them too far apart, I don't know. But that was in the day before you could get you a whole handful of credit cards and just pay off any debt you wanted to. And probably that's not the smart way to live. But anyway, Shirley had a little VW, an older car, and it was all paid for, and it didn't amount to very much, but um, we thought, you know, if we could just maybe advertise that little VW bug, somebody might buy that and that would be enough to get us through another month or two. And uh, it wasn't, it was, a, it was in the fall of the year, like Thanksgiving time, not too many people out looking for things like that. But you know what? We hadn't had that in the paper but just a day or so and a man come along and that's just what he wanted. Now, you can call that just a normal event of life if you want to. To us, that was a God moment. And you'll have them if you look for them. God is the provider. I still remember that God moment 50 years ago. I'd like for you young people to think about God moments because they're going to be in your life in a lot of different ways. 
Jehovah, R-A-P-H-A, Exodus 15, 16. I am the one who heals. You will be saved from the diseases of Egypt. Luke 4, 18. I am the great physician, the one who heals broken hearts, delivers, gives recovery, sets free. That's Jesus. Probably 20 years ago, I was present when there was a sudden, extremely tragic event in the lives of a young couple. And in those situations, it's usually a blessing if somebody steps up to the plate and takes charge. And I'm going to submit to you, to you young people especially, it may not be a sudden tragic event, but you are going to be in the presence of a situation where there's going to be broken hearts. And the Holy Spirit will probably give some of you the responsibility of stepping up to the plate. And this is the point that we want out of this, that I want you to remember. In those situations and many others, the most important thing that you can do and that will happen is for you to get the name of Jesus Christ spoken audibly into the situation. He is the only one that will heal and will make a difference. I want you to remember that. Any situation that's traumatic or that there's heartbreak or a number of other things, it can even be sin. Get the name of Jesus Christ spoken into the situation. Jehovah, R-A-H-A, Psalm 23.1, I am thy shepherd. John 10, I am the good shepherd and give my life for the sheep. The good shepherd. David wrote this psalm and he even had his own father-in-law trying to kill him. You know, relationships are fragile. I don't need to tell you that. You young people know that. Relationships are fragile. Sometimes your friends will hurt you. I've been there. I know that. I've, we, I've been there. Shirley and I both have. We know what that's like. But you know what? I'd like to encourage you 
that God is always faithful. He will never, ever leave you or forsake you. And he will always lift you up, and he is your shepherd no matter what. Jehovah, S-H-A-M-M-A-H, Ezekiel 48, 35. I am the one who is here ever present, ever present with you. Several years ago, a widow in our congregation had an only son that relationships were not what they should be, and she called us. She says, well, I'm going to need some help. She said, I'd like for you to help me out with some of my financial things. And she was, a, she was older. She wasn't able to do quite as many things for herself as she used to be. And I said, well, we'd be happy to do that. But you know, sometimes I wouldn't remember to go over there as often as I'd ought to. And uh, finally, we'd show up, and she'd say, well, I knew you'd be coming. I wasn't going to call you. She said, I, I knew you'd be coming. And she said, besides that, she said, I've got a constant companion here anyway. She said, I just open up the Bible, and Jesus is right there all the time. And she said, sometimes I just take the, the Bible and just hug it up to me like that. Jesus was her ever-present companion. Well, way past time we should have quit talking, but I want to say this, that in all seven of these accounts of God's name, he himself alone is the supply for purpose and peace in life. God created us by speaking and forming, but it took the blood of Jesus to redeem us and give us purpose and peace in life. Jesus is the answer to all of life. He is the source, the supply. You fill out the need and the amount. I'd like to use a couple of verses out of Philippians for a benediction this morning. Wherefore God hath highly exalted his Son, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in the earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's purpose and that's peace. I'd like for you to stand and we'll have a closing prayer.